0: I invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Holy Scripture to Genesis, Genesis chapters 46 and 47 this morning. We have spent more than a year now working our way through the book of Genesis, and in a few short weeks we will conclude and move on to some other portion of Scripture text. But this morning... Genesis chapters 46 and 47. The book of Genesis covers thousands of years of history beginning at creation until the death of Joseph circa about 1800 BC. Yet almost half of the book of Genesis is devoted to the life and the times of one man, that is Jacob or Israel. If we were to survey the book of Genesis in this way, we would find that the life of Abraham is recorded from Genesis 11 through chapter 24. The life of Isaac is spread across chapters 21 to 35. The life of Joseph, Joseph's story, is found in chapters 30 through 50, but Jacob gets the most attention of them all. The life and times of Jacob are stretched from chapters 25 to 50. In fact, Genesis 37 verse number two qualifies the Joseph narratives that we have been studying for the last many weeks as in fact the history of not Joseph but of Jacob. And one could rightly argue that the biblical record of Joseph's experiences wasn't about Joseph, it was about his father Jacob. And a major point of Joseph's experience was to demonstrate how that God was working in and through the life of Jacob. So this morning we turn our attention away from Joseph and back to to the main character of the book of Genesis and that's Jacob or Israel in, in chapters 46 and 47. However, before we get there, before we get to our primary scripture portion this morning, I would like to quickly survey and highlight a unique aspect of Jacob's life. And this is going to take some work for us this morning as we turn the pages of scripture. But I would like to trace Jacob's preoccupation with and Jacob's expectation of his own death. So go with me as we begin to chapter 37. Your Bibles are open to the book of Genesis. Let's begin in chapter 37. Look at verse number 35. Genesis 37, verse number 35. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, that is to comfort Jacob. Why? Because he's just learned that Joseph is lost and and presumed dead. But he refused to be comforted, Jacob did, and he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Turn the page to chapter 42. Chapter 42, verse 38. Chapter 42, verse 38. But he said, This is Jacob speaking, my son shall not go down with you. That is, my son Benjamin shall not go down to Egypt with you. Chapter 42, verse 38 for his brother Joseph is dead and he is left alone. Benjamin is alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Again, Jacob is, is obsessed with the prospect of his, his dying or his death. Turn the page to chapter 45. Chapter 45, verse 28. Chapter 45, verse 28, then Jacob, or Israel, said, it is enough, Joseph is, my son is alive, he's heard news that Joseph is alive in Egypt. Jacob says at the end of verse 28, I will go and see him before I die. And then finally now this morning, in chapter 46, verse number 30, chapter 46, verse 30, and Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Ever since Jacob's brother Esau threatened to kill Jacob back in chapter 27, Jacob has been consumed with thoughts about his own demise. And so why is that? I believe there is a clue in chapter 47, verse number nine, part of our scripture portion this morning. Chapter 47, verse number nine, Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. What is he saying? Jacob is saying that his life at best was a bust. Compared to his grandpa Abraham's life, compared to his father Isaac's life, Jacob's life was short and insignificant. And perhaps there are moments in our own lives when we look back over the course of years and perhaps we wonder if our journey was a waste. At midlife, we call it a crisis. On our deathbed, we're maybe flooded with regrets. Or maybe it's just the turning of a new year. 2023 is past. 2024 is before us and it was short, it was sour, it was insignificant. The good news at this point and the the case that I'd like to make this morning from these chapters is that although Jacob was an old man now, he gained a new sense of life and a sense of new life as he came to grasp the meaning of knowing and trusting God. So from Genesis 46 and 47 I prepared a message titled Old Man new life. Let me pause for prayer and then we'll study the scripture. God in heaven, we purpose to walk by faith, trusting you because you are trustworthy and you have proven your faithfulness over the many, many ages. God, I pray now as we study the life of Jacob, that you would give us insight and understanding. Lord, by your spirit, illumine the scripture to us so that we might gain from Jacob's testimony. And Lord, as we turn the page of a calendar, and we look at the prospect of a a new year, may it be a time in which we go forward knowing you and trusting you. For I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have ever moved before, you understand the challenge that change can bring. When you make a move, there's a new house and you need a new doctor and you have to find your way through a new grocery store and there are new friends to make and a new church and new and different everything and change can be difficult uh, for anyone in any circumstance but it's especially difficult if you've lived in the same place for a long time and your roots are deep. And such was the experience now for Jacob as he moves his family from the promised land, from Canaan, down to Egypt. And when Jacob and his his extended family moved from Canaan or the promised land to Egypt at Joseph's invitation, Jacob is now 130 years old, according to chapter 47, verse number nine. And after so many years in one place, it's hard for Jacob to make a move and adjust to a new place, most specifically a foreign land outside of the promised land. Let's read about it in chapter 46, verse number one. So Israel, that's Jacob. Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand upon your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives, and in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock, their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him, to Egypt. Let me title these verses in your notes, Jacob's Journey to Egypt. Jacob or Israel's Journey to Egypt. We know from chapter 47 verse number nine and from chapter 47 verse 28 that Jacob is now 130 years old when he moved his family to Egypt and in route to Egypt, Jacob passed through a very special place, a place called Beersheba. What do we know about the place that we just read of in these early verses of chapter 46, the place called Beersheba? was in Beersheba that Abraham called on the name of the Lord. It was in Beersheba that Abraham settled after offering Isaac and Mount Moriah. It was in Beersheba that God visited Isaac and where God reiterated his covenant to Isaac. It was in Beersheba where uh, Jacob lived at there at Beersheba when he deceived his father and stole the blessing in chapter 27. It was from Beersheba that Jacob fled from Esau and departed to Haran. Beersheba was the the southern border of the promised land as it's described in the Bible in Judges chapter 20 as being from Dan to Beersheba, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. And it was here in Beersheba that God met with Jacob in a dream. And once Jacob is to travel south, past Beersheba, he would be leaving the promised land. He's moving out and how could Jacob be sure of God's blessing if he were leaving the promised land for Egypt? Remember his father and his grandfather also intended to travel to Egypt. You remember there was famine in Canaan and Grandpa Abraham went to Egypt to survive. It proved to be a disaster. You remember that in chapter 12. Later there was another famine in the land and in this case it was Jacob's father Isaac that purposed to go down to Egypt but God told him not to go do not go down to Egypt Genesis 26 live in the land which I shall tell you dwell in this land I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And so because of this history now, Jacob is moving southward to Beersheba, the border of the promised land. His intent is to go at the invitation of Joseph and the Pharaoh to Egypt, but he pauses there. And so the verses in chapter 46 verses one through seven are very significant. For not only is God instructing Jacob to go down to Egypt but God is repeating his covenant promise to Jacob to make a great nation of Jacob and to bring them back to the land as God promised Jacob back in chapter 35 verse number 12. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you I give this land the promised land. At the end now of chapter 46, verse four, it's what's open before you, God told Jacob something very special. He says, Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. You see it there, verse number four? And perhaps you don't understand what that means. Here's what that means. It means, Jacob, you've always been obsessed with your day of death, your dying, your demise. Well, let me assure you, Jacob, that in Egypt, Joseph will be the one to close your eyes when you die. And that's all that Jacob wanted to hear, for remember, Jacob is is looking to die, and he loved Joseph, and if only Joseph could be the one to close his eyes. If we were to continue reading verses eight and following, we have a genealogy of Jacob. That's number two, Jacob's family to grow. Jacob's journey to Egypt, Jacob's family grow and these verses list the names of of Jacob's descendants, his family, to identify those whom God had raised up to fulfill his covenant promises regarding the innumerable descendants that Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob would have. The problem is that according to verse 27, if you look there, After 215 years, after now four generations, there are only 70 descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, according to verse 27. Whatever happened to the promise of God that Abraham his family would multiply exceedingly? According to Genesis 32, the descendants were to be as the sand of the sea, which are innumerable. They they could not be numbered for multitude and yet at this point we have just only 70 that are going down into egypt if we were to fast forward 400 years from the life of jacob to the life of moses the bible tells us in numbers chapter 1 that more more than 600,000 men came up out of egypt to return to the promised land with women and children besides. It's, it's where we often think of two million Hebrew people would come out of Egypt from the 70 that are going down into Egypt. Let's pick up in chapter 46, verse 28. Then he sent Judah before him. Jacob sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen and they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel or Jacob and he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die. Here it is again, Jacob is always looking to die. Let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. After more than 22 years of separation, more years apart than together, Jacob and Joseph have a happy reunion. And I think so much more could have been said about this reunion but the Spirit of God chose to, to leave it unrecorded for us. It was a reunion that was left to the privacy of this father and this son, but we can use our imagination and picture the scene and, and, and we can, in our, our mind, hear the conversation that they shared. But Jacob now is, is ready to die in verse 30. Now, back in chapter 45, verse 18, Pharaoh promised Joseph's family the best of Egypt. Turn the page back, chapter 45, verse 18. Bring your father, your households, and come to me. This is Pharaoh speaking to Joseph, chapter 45, verse 18. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. So Joseph is now very careful to see that Pharaoh's promise becomes a reality. I'm moving my father Jacob and all 70 of the family from the promised land here to, ja- to, to Egypt and, and I wanna make sure that this happens as promised by Pharaoh. Chapter 46 verse 31. Then Joseph said to his brothers, chapter 46 verse 31, and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me and the men are shepherds for their occupation has been to feed livestock and they have brought their flocks, their herds and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation that you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers that you may dwell in the land of Goshen." for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father and brothers, their flocks, their herds, and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your, servant, your servants have no pasture for their flocks for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Number three, Jacob's new home in Goshen. Now, you noticed how that Joseph coached his family to identify themselves as as shepherds. It was certainly true that they were shepherds. After all, you remember when young Joseph was sent by J- Jacob to go and check up on his brothers out in the, the fields with their flocks back in chapter 37. They were herdsmen. They were, they were shepherds. and That was the occasion when jo- Joseph's brothers seized Joseph in his coat of many colors and threw him into the pit and then sold him to Egypt. But Beyond being shepherds by occupation, this was critical for a couple reasons. Two reasons I'll give you. First, Joseph wanted to ensure that Pharaoh would make true on his promise to give Joseph's family the best land in Egypt. The best land was Goshen, the best place to pasture the sheep. But then secondly, the Egyptians despised shepherds, you saw it there at the end of verse 34, chapter 46 verse 34, the, the Egyptians would, would be careful to keep themselves separate from these new immigrants, these Hebrew nomads, the 70 strong coming from Canaan, and the Egyptians' disdain, disdain for shepherds would serve the children of Israel well, preserving their culture and protecting them from the Egyptians. Pick up in verse number seven, chapter 47, verse seven. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to the Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. This is a, a key verse for us this morning. And they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brother, and all his father's household with bread according to the number of their families. What's taking place here in these verses? I would title it Jacob's blessing of Pharaoh. Jacob's blessing of Pharaoh. Some believe that Jacob's blessing of Pharaoh was little more than a a meet and greet of ceremonial gratitude and niceties, but but I don't believe so. I believe Jacob blessed Pharaoh there in verse number 10. You see it because of God's promise in Genesis 12 verse number 3 I will bless those who bless you. And I believe that's a timeless principle, even applicable even today, operative today. Those who bless God's people Israel shall be blessed. And because of the Pharaoh's blessing on Jacob's family, Jacob responded with a blessing back on on the Pharaoh. And of course, God did bless Egypt and the Pharaoh through Jacob and Joseph's families. However, once again, the surprising feature, and and, and I'm gonna bring this all together here in the the final few moments together. The the surprising feature of Jacob's meeting with Pharaoh is not the blessing in verse number 10. I, I really think it's the, it's Jacob's appraisal of his life in verse number nine. So let me for the third time this morning now read verse number nine. Jacob said to Pharaoh, this is a big meeting folks. A big meeting and this is what Jacob has to say. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. In my Bible reading, in my study, preparation, this jumps off the page at me. The rest of what we read is just logistical details that we, we find interesting and fascinating to learn about Goshen and to, to, to learn about Beersheba and these places and the, these people. But, but I believe that chapter 47, verse number nine is a window into the heart and mind of the great patriarch, Jacob. The Hebrew patriarch for which half of the book of Genesis is committed to and Jacob is telling Pharaoh that his life has been short and sour and insignificant. Now follow this. That is not a very good testimony for God's chosen man, for the one that God chose over Esau to stand in the line of the Messiah. How sad is that? However, at the same time, Jacob's testimony was perhaps accurate Consider these things, they're before you on the screen. Jacob struggled with his twin brother Esau in the womb before they were born. We remember that. Jacob lived in a dysfunctional home where his parents played favorites with their children. Jacob gained the blessing of his father by deception, became a fugitive from his family because his brother Esau hated him and swore to kill him. Jacob spent years in exile serving his rotten uncle Laban. He initially served on his uncle Laban for seven years for one wife, but somehow managed with, to end up with four wives, actually, according to chapter 29, verse 18. Th- those wives were a constant point of strife in his life. Jacob finally had to make a, tr- a peace treaty with his uncle Laban. Jacob, his children, were part of a murderous sex scandal in chapter 34. Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, died prematurely. Jacob's oldest son slept with one of his concubines. Jacob's favorite son, Joseph, was tragically lost, presumed dead. Jacob's family suffered famine when he was sent to Egypt for food. And uh, the Pharaoh appeared to take away his youngest son, Benjamin, also. Now Jacob has to leave the promised land and has to die in a foreign land. Folks, Jacob's evaluation of his life was fair. A lot of negative circumstances, you might say. Is it any wonder that Jacob was always looking forward to the day of his demise and his death and he was obsessed with, with his, his death? Because Jacob's life was in many ways miserable. And Of all of the people that I've ever thought of wanting to be like, I guess I've never thought of wanting to be that different person, that Jacob. Uh, his life was not that great. We've all thought what, what it would be like to be rich and famous, or what it would be like to be a professional athlete, or what it would be like to be a historical figure, or a celebrity, or a, a politician. I, I guess I've never thought what that would be like. But, <laughs> but what would it be like to be someone other than yourself? What would it be like to be like Jacob? Pretty miserable, it appears. Jacob's life was hard. Joseph's life was hard. Folks, all of our lives are hard, but let me take you back to an earlier point in Jacob's life and demonstrate how that Jacob's hard life, his suffering and sorrow were a result of a wrong concept of his relationship with God. I know your notes are complete here, but we're not nearly done. I want you to follow me. Do the homework with me. Go back to chapter 28, Genesis 28. Here early on God's covenant with Jacob, chapter 28 verse 13 Genesis 28 verse 13, and behold the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac the land in which you Lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you all your seed, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, will keep you wherever you go, wherever you move, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Wow. God made a promise to Jacob, that great unconditional covenant promise assuring Jacob of of God's presence and God's direction and God's provision. But Jacob thought that God would bless him only as Jacob achieved things for God. Look Look at chapter 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, okay, here's the deal if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I set as a pillar shall be God's house and all that you shall give me I will surely give a tenth to you. Okay, so Jacob's life of faith began here in chapter 28 with a bit of bargaining in the flesh. Jacob would serve God if God would protect him and prosper him and bring him back to Canaan safely. Jacob would then in turn, for his part, Jacob would give God a tenth of his increase. Give God some money for his trouble. And You see from the beginning, Jacob is a wheeler and a dealer and he's conducting his life of faith upon what God would do for him and what he would do for God. Is it any wonder that we come to chapter 47 and Jacob is standing before the great Pharaoh of Egypt and saying my life has been short and sour and insignificant and I'm unhappy. Jacob's entire life was lived in that light. But here's my concluding proposition. Finally, Jacob, I'm sorry, is standing before Pharaoh And I believe that Jacob realizes that all of his striving has been for naught. Jacob Jacob is now homeless and he's helpless in Egypt. He can no longer trust his own devices, his own resources. He had no other choice than to trust God in a foreign land. I've written this also there in your notes. I submit that this was the beginning of a whole new life for the Jacob story. It would only last 17 years there in Goshen, but it was a life lived in the blessings that only grace can give and that only faith can see. You need to underscore that. That's important, that's profound. Jacob was not living in Canaan, but he entered into Canaan's rest at long last. The rest that is obtained by faith, the rest that is forfeited by unbelief, the rest that comes when you allow God to take care of of the crisis in your life. For Jacob, it was famine, it was economic collapse, and he was now displaced as a refugee in Egypt. So how can I say that an old man, Jacob, enjoyed a new life in Egypt? Well, go with me to chapter 47, back to chapter 47. We've skipped some of the narrative here, the, the famine relief that Joseph coordinated, but we'll look at chapter 47, verse 27 now. So Israel, that's Jacob, dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. 130 years plus 17 years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, Jacob must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. It was an ancient practice of oath making. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, swear to me, and he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. And so again, we return to this theme of Jacob looking for his own demise, his expected death, and with this gesture of promise, Joseph agreed, all right, Father Jacob, I will bury you back in the promised land. And at the end of verse 31, Jacob bowed himself upon his bed. We don't often think of that as a, a final act in one's life. David worshiped on his bed in 1 Kings 1 and it's the posture of worship at the end of Jacob's journey. It, it's profound to me. Cheat ahead again to chapter 48, verse number 15. Chapter 48, verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Remember the famines? God fed him all his long life. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless blessed the lads, let my name be upon them and the name of my father Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. You see, Jacob's testimony on his deathbed in chapter 48, verses 15 and 16 is so much different than his statement to the Pharaoh Back in chapter 47, verse number nine. And I submit to you, I propose this morning that many times we live our lives struggling and striving like Jacob to get ahead, to manufacture and manipulate all of our circumstances to gain or retain God's blessing. Yet our lives are a disaster nonetheless. There is calamity, and there is crisis, and there is confusion in every way, sometimes our lives are so pathetic that we even think to ourselves, I can't wait until it's over. I can't wait until my demise. And we complain that it's been short and sour and insignificant when what we need to do is bow our heads upon our beds in surrender to God's sovereign grace and live by faith despite the chaos and the calamity and the crisis around us, trusting God to fulfill his promises, his way. God was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and all the rest. But the journey was hard and many times the journey was filled with human manipulation rather than knowing and trusting in the character of God. I propose to you this morning Regardless of your age, if you're young, if you're old, you can begin a new life, this new year, of resting and relying on the promises of God. It doesn't mean there won't be hardship. It doesn't mean there might not be famine or you might need to move. But it means that you can trust God and find yourself living as a dependent in a foreign land. Do you ever feel like that? We're living as strangers, as pilgrims, sojourners in a crazy place called Planet Earth. More specifically, the USA. More specifically, Minnesota. But God is with us. He'll lead us, guide us, protect us, provide for us. His promises are sure. And the life of Jacob is a lesson in the grace of God. As the songwriter put it, the will of God will never take you. We're the grace of God will not keep you. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for preserving for us the life biography of Jacob over these 25 chapters in the book of Genesis. God, he was your chosen one. And he was the one through whom, of course, comes our Messiah. We're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray for those that are before me this morning or under the sound of my voice as we enter a new year, Lord, in a foreign land, that we would bow our heads before you in submission to your sovereignty, to trust you, to know you and trust you for every circumstance. For I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.